I turn your attention tonight to the epistle of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we want to begin reading verse 24. This is a special time of the year whenever we, we pause and we reflect back over the year and we reflect back over the birth of Christ and what it means to really understand that God himself robed himself in flesh, came and was born in such a humble manner. And you may say, well, why is it that we receive communion at Christmas time? Because the birth of Christ and the crucifixion of Christ are all part and parcel to one another, inextricably woven together with the power and the presence of God for one single purpose. And we're going to talk about that for just a couple of moments, and then we'll receive communion together. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24 reads, And when he had given thanks, he broke it, referring to the bread, and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death Till he come. Till he come. I want to speak for just a few moments tonight on this subject. Calvary, communion, and the second coming. Calvary, communion, and the second coming. More than any other time of the year, at Christmas and at Easter, we think about the humanity side of Christ. And we know that Jesus was all God and all man. But at these times of the year, we reflect back and we think about the price that was paid, the humanity part of the Messiah. At Easter, we think about the cross and about the resurrection. At Christmas, we think about the promise and the birth. We celebrate a time of communion at each. Both Christmas and Easter reminds us the fact that he came to this earth with a purpose. And that purpose was to be broken so that we could be mended purpose was that he would be broken so that we could be mended. That's the paradox of all of this. Calvary reveals the contrast of Bethlehem. He was born in a manger so that we could be born again into that royal family called God's people, the church. He died so that we could live. He became the son of man so that we could become the sons of God. And so the contrast that we read about in Bethlehem are also on display in the crucifixion. That point of brokenness was yet the same time of the great victory and strength of God robing himself in flesh and becoming that spotless lamb slain from the foundation of the world. By allowing the body of Jesus, that royal container of deity, to be broken, he set the example of really what true happiness is for humanity. And what's interesting is it runs counterintuitive to our thinking. We think of happiness being based on having a pristine environment of no problems and and no stress and nothing to worry about. But actually, it's the brokenness that brings the happiness. Jesus could have been pampered. He could have been born on satin. He could have been a lifetime member of the Nazareth Spa and Health Club. He could have lived in the lap of luxury. He could have been chosen to be acquainted with glamour and glitz, but instead he chose to be acquainted with grief. The body was broken. 
It suffered. It died. But yet there has never been a more successful life lived on this earth. So what is it that we should remember when we take communion? What are the lessons of a broken body as we consider Calvary and communion and the second coming? Well, the best way I know to illustrate this is to tell you a story of something that happens that's quite unique. They tell us that um, the cuckoo bird uh, will lay their eggs uh, in the nest of many other kinds of birds. Many times even a, a baby cuckoo will be in a sparrow's nest. And yet that baby cuckoo shell, that egg, could be three times the size of the little baby sparrows. But yet that cuckoo egg will end up in that nest as the cuckoo parents put it there so that if they're under danger or they're not in a position to be able to bring that egg to the point that it can be hatched, they will simply put it in another nest. And it's easy to, to think about a sparrow raising their own little ones, but when you think about a, a cuckoo bird being in a sparrow's nest and a couple of these hedge sparrows darting back and forth to the nest to supply baby cuckoo with bits of food, it's a, it's a pretty amazing sight. They have some documentaries of it. You can watch it. It's amazing to see what, what power that, that little cuckoo bird can have to keep the sparrows flying back and forth as the vocal cries of that cuckoo bird, they say, can be, hear, can be heard from a quarter mile away. And, of course, it's a bigger bird. It's got a bigger appetite. And the sparrows can grow thin and weary in their, their endless haste to cram little bits of food into the insatiable gullet of a baby cuckoo bird. Well, you know what's interesting about that story is that our flesh is like a cuckoo in the nest of your heart. And just like the sparrows, you and I can be driven mercilessly to the cries of our flesh to be satisfied. And the bigger it gets, the hungrier it grows, the louder the cries. The other baby sparrows are left in the lurch as this big cuckoo gets all the preference. And the same thing is true for you and I today as we try to manage the flesh that we are all housed in and yet the Holy Spirit that God has given us. The Spirit has little chance to grow as long as we pamper the flesh. The body that is broken produces a spirit that is strong. But a body that is pampered produces a spirit that is weak. So Jesus gave us the example from the very moment that he decided to be born in this humble way in a manger in the most uh, humiliating of all circumstances. Not born of a royal family, not born in a, in a royal manner, but yet there was no doubt who he was. So how is it that you and I can live with the remembrance of a broken body? We do it through several ways. Number one is we do it through the humility of repentance. Repentance is what draws us close to God. It's what causes our flesh to have to shrink in size so that our spirit can grow stronger. It's the humility of repentance. It's also through the sacrifice of prayer. It's through the joyfulness of faithfulness. And it's through the commitment of giving to others. Let me say those four things again because I believe that those four things will give us a roadmap as to how you and I can live a life of joy and blessing. The humility of repentance, the sacrifice of prayer, 
the joy of faithfulness, and the commitment of giving through others. And as important as all of those things are, there is none that is more important than this single one that the Lord reminded his followers of. And that is, we live with this understanding of the broken body when we remember our Savior, Jesus Christ. The remembrance of Jesus Christ. It's not something that your flesh may clamor to. But it's something that Jesus instructed his followers to do because if we remember him, and this is what receiving communion is all about, if we remember the price that was paid, it's a way that we keep our flesh intact. We, we don't allow it to, to overflow its boundaries and its borders. This explains the scriptures that compels us to consider the importance of such a memorial. He said, don't do it haphazard or careless. Too great of a price was paid for us just to receive of this uh, table in a flippant, haphazard way. But instead, do it uh, with a sober mind, with an understanding of its importance, of the price that was paid. It says in the Bible that it should be a time of self-reflection. When we reflect back on Jesus, I believe we should put ourselves into the story. Is our body being broken so that the spirit can grow? What can I do this year to remember the price that you paid, Lord? But to also remember that I must strive to allow a brokenness in my own life. He says this in verse 26 of the text that we read. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. It's all woven together, Calvary, communion, and the second coming. I want to read to you a poem that brings together Christmas and thoughts about his second coming. We have been inundated with message in tongues and interpretations of recent, even this past Sunday, of how Jesus is preparing his church. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is coming soon. And at this time of the year, we always think about, could this be the year that Jesus would come? Consider this poem. "'Twas the night Jesus came, and all through the house, not a person was praying, not one in the house. The Bible was left on the shelf without care, for no one thought Jesus would come there. The children were dressing to crawl in a bed, not once ever kneeling or bowing their head. And mom in the rocking chair with babe on her lap was watching the late show as I took a nap. When out of the east there rose such a clatter, I sprang to my feet to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and lifted the sash. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but angels proclaiming that Jesus was here. The light of his face made me cover my head. Was Jesus returning just like he'd said? And though I possessed worldly wisdom and wealth, I cried when I saw him in spite of myself. In the book of life which he held in his hand was written the name of every saved man. He spoke not a word as he searched for my name when he said, it's not here, 
my head hung in shame. The peoples whose names had been written with love, he gathered to take to heaven above. And with those who were ready, he rose without a sound, while all the others were standing around. I fell to my knees, but it was too late. I had waited too long and thus sealed my fate. I stood and I cried as they rose out of sight. Oh, if only I'd known that this was the night. In the words of this poem, the meaning is clear. Coming of Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, is drawing near. There's only one life. And when comes the last call, we'll find out the Bible was true after all. What a blessed people we are to be able to come together in God's house under the banner of his name and say, Lord, we are looking for your soon return. We are hungry for heaven. Is there anybody in this building that is hungry for heaven? Perhaps this year we have become discomfortable enough that we are hungry for heaven. The Lord gives us very specific instructions on what we should be doing until he comes. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12 says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. There are four things that are given to us in that verse that we should do as we occupy till he comes. Number one, the scripture says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness. That simply means live right. Do the right thing. Reap in mercy. That means enjoy the mercy of God. Show mercy to others. Number three, keep a tender spirit. He said, break up the fallow ground. Don't let your heart get hardened with the cares and the trials of this life. But keep a tender spirit. And then finally, he says, it's time to seek the Lord. We must seek God every day that we live. Let us not become so comfortable and so complacent that we forget that the Lord is looking for a people that are looking for his soon return. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. It can all be summed up in one word, remember. Remember Calvary. Remember Bethlehem. Remember how you felt when he first touched you. Remember his love. And remember, Jesus is coming back. Would you stand to your feet? I wonder right now if we could just bow our heads and pray. Ask the Lord to just prepare our heart and our spirit as we receive of this communion. All over this building right now, would you just join me in prayer? Lord, we are so thankful for your word that leads us and guides us. We're thankful for your spirit that continues, Lord, to just caress us and remind us of your love. What a great God you are, Lord. What a faithful friend you are. Help us, Lord, now as we receive this communion. Help us, O Lord, to reflect back and to remember that the same God that hung on that cross, the same God that was born in Bethlehem is the same God we feel when we gather in this house, that we gather with your people when we declare the name of Jesus. Oh God, we are so thankful. 
Thankful for the gift of salvation that you have given each and every one of us. Thankful, Lord, for the body of Christ that you have given us to be a part of. And we are thankful, God, for the hope of heaven. We look for that day in anticipation, Lord. And Lord, we say one more time, let our hearts and our spirits be right. Prepare us, O Lord. If there be anything in us that did not belong, let it be taken away tonight through humility of repentance. Let us humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Let our bodies, let our flesh be broken so that the Spirit of God can grow and can be in a priority position in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Everybody said amen. If you'd like to receive communion, our ushers are going to come down and now begin to prepare this. And we'd ask that you would just step out from where you're standing and come down and stand around the altar area here. Uh, If you have children that are uh, 12 or under, we'd ask that they would stand with you and they can receive communion um, if you so choose to give them that uh, authority. But we would ask that they would stand with you. If you wouldn't mind just stepping out from where you're standing, come down to the altar area. They're going to give you a little uh, plastic cup and uh, the top of it, there's a little wafer that's under a sort of a, a little clear covering. And then under that is the uh, grape juice. But we'd ask that you would just hold that uh, until everybody has been served. And once everybody has been served, we're going to ask Bishop Myers to pray over us. And then we're going to receive communion together. I'm thankful for the spiritual covering of Bishop Myers and his many, many years of ministry. And uh, if you can't get down to the front, but you just want to step out into uh, one of these main aisles, that's fine as well. I don't want anybody to be crowded to the point where you're uncomfortable. If you don't want to receive communion, you certainly don't have to. It's not compulsory. If you don't want to receive communion, just stay in your seat and they'll know um, not to hand communion to you. And uh, Otherwise, if you're in the aisle or if you're down in the altar area, we'll know that means that you're ready to receive communion with us. Amen. The ushers will uh, go among you and they will pass out uh, little cups this time. Thank you. Everybody received a little cup in their hand. Anybody that hasn't. Hard to see, but I'm looking. If you haven't received communion, just raise your hand. We'll make sure everybody has. Not take of it yet. We'll wait. Bishop, come and pray over us, and then we'll receive it all together. All right, Bishop Myers, would you come and you can just pray from there? Let's all bow our head together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we love you so much, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the great price that you paid on Calvary for us. 
you suffered greatly that we might be saved. And we are receiving this communion, God, to remember, Lord, the price that you paid that we might have salvation. We thank you, Jesus, for the blood that was shed. We thank you, Lord, for your body that was broken on Calvary for us. We thank you, Jesus, for our time together that we can do this, Lord, in honor of you and the price that you paid for us, Jesus. Thank you for your people. Thank you for the love they have for you and for each other. Thank you for the hope that we have and for your soon coming, Lord. We'll not forget, Lord, the price that you paid. And we'll always remember, Lord, that you did it, that we might be saved and have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, your grace, and your mercy. In your precious and holy name, we ask and pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's receive communion together right now. Jesus. We honor and glorify you, Lord. You are great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we lift our hands and our voices to you, Lord. You are great and greatly to be praised. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your presence and your spirit. You are great and greatly to be praised, O Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. To God be the glory, to God be the glory. We bless the name of Jesus, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. We give honor and glory unto you, Lord, for you are great and greatly to be praised. Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for the resurrection. We thank you for the power of the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you came to this earth and robed yourself in flesh. We thank you, Lord, for the example that you gave us. Hallelujah. We remember, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
Oh, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Hallelujah. time and just ask the Lord to go with us, protect our homes and our families. Thank him one more time for his presence. It feels so good, so warm in his house tonight. Would you just lift up your hands right now? Would you love him? Lord, we're so thankful for your presence. Thankful for your sweet embrace. What a great God you are, Lord. We give honor and glory unto you. Thank you, Lord, that once again when we come into your house, we feel your presence, Lord. We've come tonight, Lord, on the eve of this special day, and we said, Lord, we love you. We worship you, O God. You are the focal point of our lives. You are the common denominator that brings us all together, Lord. We lift up the name of Jesus. We celebrate you tonight, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, hallelujah. Everybody said praise the Lord. God bless you. You're dismissed. Merry Christmas.